Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 97 of the Canadians Connection podcast, the Connor McDavid edition, because who else? Number 97, you've you got to think Connor McDavid, just as we did 10 episodes earlier when it was the Sidney Crosby episode. But nevertheless, this is episode 97, and I'm pleased to be in studio with uh, the Connor McDavid to my Yesperi Kotkaniemi, I guess, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing on this fine day? Oh, wow. Um, I'm doing <laughs> great. Um, it, it was funny because uh, last Saturday, now now you were off last Saturday. We had Chris was. Uh, G in, in the, uh, the studio uh, in the hosting chair. And, and welcome back. We're glad to have yeah. you back. Um, but I, I started the podcast saying how surprised I was, how shocked I was. The Canadians had just eliminated uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins on the Friday night. And I thought, oh, well, that's my shock. That's my surprise. That's my excitement for the, the, uh, this playoffs. But my goodness, <laughs> what a week it's been. And we're coming off an unbelievable uh, Habs win last night uh, over the Philadelphia Flyers. So um, you, you picked the right day to be here. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I was I was thinking last week, I was like, wow, uh, Chris has gotten a great week to be in here <laughs> to talk about the Montreal Canadiens beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. Is it going to get any bigger than that? Mm-hmm. And uh, we have two games of round one hockey to talk about that we're going to get to in just a few moments. Uh, and especially last night, we do have a lot to talk about, and it's it's going to be a fun one for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, for their fans. So uh, it's going to be great to talk about here on the for the next hour plus of uh, the Canadians Connection podcast. And uh, as always, as we say, we keep you informed, engaged, entertained. Rick, we make the Canadians Connection here every week. How can our listeners engage and connect with us? Well, we, we make the connections with the hockey community, with uh, the uh, hockey executives, with the players, with um, everyone connected in hockey, and then we connect with you to pass on that information. And uh, we're, we're very happy to have you with us. Uh, we're very happy to have all of our loyal, regular uh, listeners, but we've noticed we've been getting a lot more um, uh, interest in our podcasts, in the articles, uh, in our social media accounts, and we're happy to connect with uh, with everyone who's who's jumped on this Habs playoff bandwagon. Um, we're this podcast is put together, uh, hosted, and produced by credentialed hockey journalists, and we remain the source that you can trust. Um, We'll give the the uh, the social media contacts as we go along, but I'll, I'll just toss out one to to start. 
uh, we set up a Rocket Sports text number. Uh, you can text us any time of the day, 585-3-ROCKET, 585-3-ROCKET. Uh, and send your, your questions, send your reactions, uh, and uh, uh, we want to hear from you. Absolutely. And as we always say, we're the Canadians Connection podcast. We want to be engaged with our listeners, and that is one way to do it. We will go with the uh, social media accounts. Uh, we will give those out as we go. Uh, but Rick, I think it's about that time that we recap the two games that we've seen thus far in the series, the Montreal Canadiens against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, and it got going on Wednesday night, uh, and it was a tight game. It was a 2-1 final. Uh, Philadelphia got on the board early when Ivan Provorov had a point shot that took a deflection off of Jakob Voracek in front. There was no chance for Carey Price on that one with both Couturier and Voracek screening. Uh, Price kept the Canadians within striking distance. He allowed Shea Weber to tie it on the power play in the second. But after a turnover on the breakout following that goal, uh, the Canadians turned it over at the blue line. Joel, Joel Farabee uh, scored just 16 seconds after the Weber goal. Uh, so that was a little bit deflating for the Montreal Canadiens. The third period was mostly controlled by the Philadelphia Flyers. Nick Suzuki did come close to tying it with the Canadians' net empty, but rang one off the post. And the Habs, unfortunately, lost a tight one, 2-1. to one. So then we shift to game two on Friday, and you're thinking, what's going to happen here? Are the Canadians going to respond? They did. Early in, the, early in that one, Tomas Tatar, less than, or excuse me, just a minute into the action, uh, beat Carter Hart to make it 1-0. Carter Hart made a huge save on Brendan Gallagher to keep it 1-0, uh, but the Philadelphia Flyers did not really respond. Uh, Jesperi Kotkiniemi scored a little after the midway point of the first to double the Habs lead. Tatar scored a power play goal just over a minute into uh, the second period to make it 3-0. Yol Armia chased Carter Hart with a goal that pinballed off of a, off the skate of Shane Gostaspare in front and beat Hart 5-hole. Jesperi Kotkaniemi put the cherry on top with his second goal of the game in the third period, a beauty beating Brian Elliott. Uh, Carey Price, 30 saves in the shutout, fantastic as always, uh, and it was a 5-0 final, and that is the seventh career postseason shutout putting him third all-time on the Canadians' all-time list behind only Ken Dryden and Jacques Plante. As always, Carey Price in pretty elite company. Um, so, Rick, games one and two. The first one, probably a little bit closer than, than some thought. Maybe it was a little bit more closer than it had any right to be with the play of Carey Price. Uh, but the second game, it was all Montreal Canadiens all the time. That, that first game was... Uh as you said, Carey Price uh, kept it close. The the Canadians, the second period, um, what I think was rather instructive because in that second period of Game One, the, the Flyers' defense looked uh, fallible in the second period. Um, yeah, the Canadians were forcing the the Flyers' defense to make uh, bad decisions, and um, I think I think uh, they the Canadians uh, they couldn't sustain it in the third. Uh, but that's what they were able to use in in, in the first period of uh, game two. Uh, we saw that um, that the Canadians outshot the Flyers twelve nothing in the first seventeen minutes. It took seventeen minutes for the Flyers to get a shot on goal. Um, the shot attempts in the first period were uh, something I'm going off memory here thirty thirty one to ten. Um, Canadians uh, just dominated. 
Uh, and and uh, in addition, you had Carey Price not only making the big saves, but disrupting the the Flyers' forecheck. And of course, that's a big part of their game. That's where they get their pressure. That's that's where they um, like to to put pressure on the opposition and and get their scoring chances. And uh, Carey Price just eliminated that. Um, so it was. Um, it, it was, as as Claude Drew said, we lost the game in the first period, and uh, we could we could uh, we chased, but we could never uh, catch up. Um, so it was, I don't know. There was something there was something about that game, um, and uh, it was something we haven't mentioned. Uh, there was a new person behind the bench, and we're going to be talking about that. But uh, the first career uh, playoff win as a head coach. Yeah, uh, for uh, Kirk Muller. Yeah, and uh, it was it was certainly a, a very good night for the Montreal Canadiens. And yes, we're going to get to a story about you know sort of the, an element of that night that that sort of maybe takes away from the overall feeling. But it's uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit later, and and we'll discuss that. But but Rick, we do have some pretty uh, well breaking news uh, relative. I mean, it just broke this morning. Um, Surrounding the Boston Bruins and Tuka Rask. Uh, Tuka Rask uh, has made the decision to leave the bubble, to leave the NHL playoff bubble, uh, and head back home. And um, this comes after some comments that were made just the other day about not thinking that this had the type of intensity that you know he was accustomed to playing in the NHL playoffs. Um, and, and of course, I mean, now he's, he's going back home. He's got a young family that I think that is the... the big reason why he is leaving uh but rick uh, just overall i mean there's there's been many people that have already chimed in on this even though this is a story that just broke mere hours ago uh but what are your overall thoughts on on this situation well we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago uh when carl alsner um and and others uh before even anything started carl alsner decided to opt out because Players apparently had a deadline uh, to opt out without penalty. Um, and uh, I said at that time, I wouldn't criticize anyone for making a personal decision uh, to opt out. Uh, this one, uh, I, I, I don't want to criticize him. He, he, you know, he does have a young family, but coming at this time, um, when the, the the Bruins are already in the series, counting on him, um, and I guess piggybacked on top of that is what he said yesterday, um, and that is, you know, he was really disappointed in the quality of the hockey. He said, uh, "This isn't playoff hockey. Uh, there's no fans. There's no intensity." Um, he compared it to playing an exhibition game. He said there's some scrums, there's some, but um, uh, some battles, but there's just, uh, there's no atmosphere. Uh, it's, it's a dull game. Um, I, I'm, I, we haven't heard that from anybody else. And, and understandably, uh, playing goal is different. Um, you know, it, you can be more intense when you're in the action, uh, when you're, when you're um, in goal and, and the Bruins have a pretty good de- defensive game. Yeah. Uh, so maybe there's not a lot of action. Um, I, I guess he can get distracted, but uh, my goodness, the Bruins have 
a pretty good opportunity to win the Stanley Cup, having finished um, first in 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 the regular season. Uh, you think that would be enough motivation in and itself uh, to to remind him that this is indeed playoff hockey? Yeah, and the one thing I'll add to that, I mean, you have to think too. I mean, if you aren't getting the motivation from the atmosphere, then is there not motivation inherently from being in the final last year and coming so close and losing and having the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup twice in your career in 2013 and 2019 and not being able to get it done in as, as the guy, as the starting goaltender? I think that that's something that you have to have to think about as well and factor in. But ultimately, yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation. Um, you know, maybe it's a situation where even though he knew all of the things that would be happening and the bubble would be, you know, confined and there would be no, you know, there'd be some isolation and feelings of, you know, wanting to go back home. Maybe he didn't quite know what he was getting himself into. And maybe it's all sort of conjecture here, but um, yeah, a young family and uh, it's hard to criticize someone for wanting to be around their family, but it certainly, it does leave the Bruins with, um, you know, le- less of an opportunity to win now that they're they they have to put their hopes and dreams on the back of Yaroslav Halak and hope that he can uh, <laughs> find his 2010 form, I guess. Which he hasn't found uh, since <laughs> 2010. Um, uh, the um, the other part of it, and and um, you know, um, I'll just mention this: that Bruce Cassidy um, maybe had uh, delivered some mild criticism of of the goaltending. Um, he said uh, that Tuca's game on Thursday thought there there were some good goals, some good shots, um, but obviously goaltenders are are huge in one goal games. They need to make the extra save somewhere along the way. We didn't get it; they did. Um, so uh, <laughs> then for him to leave after that, maybe he said, "Okay, fine." Um, you don't think I'm I'm performing yeah. up to snuff, uh, and I, I'd like to be with my family. So, um, and, and we know we know Tuca is is fiery and emotional yes. and and yep. reactive, and um, so uh, that's that's part of it. But uh, yeah. again, um, we're not questioning his his motives here. But the whole thing is is just uh, very very odd. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, we haven't we haven't seen this come up yet. It's the first case of someone just leaving. You know, we've had people go back and you know have uh, you know as as a father of a of a child witness a childbirth or something like that. But this is the first time that they've just left outright, just left the bubble and are not exp- and are will not return. I should say. Um, but Rick, uh, moving on to some other news, uh, some Habs related news. Uh, the Panthers have been granted permission to speak to Scott Mellenby regarding their vacant general manager position. Uh, Mellenby has been an assistant GM with the Habs since 2014. And of course, the Panthers and Dale Talon mutually parted ways earlier this week, leaving that position vacant. Um, so what do you think of Scott Mellenby potentially leaving the Canadians organization and uh, and joining the Panthers as a, maybe running his own shop as a general manager? Well, I understand why they would um, want to interview um, Scott Mellenby. Scott Mellenby was was the first captain in Florida Panthers history. Yep. Uh, Scott Mellenby was involved in the rat tradition that that came out. Um, you know, a, a bit of classic of, of folklore there. Um, <laughs> you know, what does Scott Mellenby do? 
uh, would be my question. And what experience has he gained working with Mark Bergevin? And, and I can answer that. Um, he is the eyes and ears. He's the special projects guy. He's the envoy uh, that uh, Mark Bergevin sends out either to, uh, he's been called a spy at times, um, uh see what's going on with his own team, that is the uh, Laval Rocket, or going out uh, to look at um, uh, players that the, they, the Canadians might have interested in, interest in when Mark Bergevin going and, and looking at a player might draw more uh, a reaction, uh, Scott Mellonby goes. Um, however, I have to wonder, uh, does Scott Mellonby have this, uh, you know, enough of a resume when carried, uh, when compared to, um, uh, a Ray Shiro, uh, uh, John Chaka, uh, I think probably the, the front runner, um, is, is going to be Mike Futa, uh, Futa, uh, the, the former Kings assistant, uh, GM, um, he was a candidate in Carolina, and and I think he's kind of got the inside track. But we'll see. Uh, yeah. there, you know, the, the the emotional appeal of a Scott Mellonby might be enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, Rick, moving on to a little bit more, um, you know, um, unfortunate news that came out this week, and it was the Thursday after Game One. Uh, we found out that Claude Julian had went to the hospital uh, experiencing chest pains. Um, and uh, later on that day, we found out that he uh, underwent a uh, stenting of a coronary artery that was carried out at St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto. Um, he's expected to make a full recovery, which is fantastic news, obviously. But he's returned to Montreal uh, to recover, uh, to rest, and uh, of course, want to send the absolute best to to Claude Julian and his recovery, and hope it's a, a very speedy one. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was really this uh, unfortunate story. It's always unfortunate when you get the real life events and and you know, sports meeting like this, it always, you know, sports is supposed to be the great escape. And unfortunately, we uh, this was a, a story that emerged on uh, on Thursday that uh, was just a little bit, a uh, little bit unfortunate, a little bit heartbreaking uh, in, in a way. Um, but uh, great to hear that he's expected to make a full recovery. Absolutely. Just to echo those sentiments, scary time for yeah. uh, certainly him and his family, his family not able to yeah. Uh, be at his bedside in St. Michael's. So uh, it was nice that he was able to have the successful procedure and then head back to Montreal where he can um, uh, rest and recover and and, uh, and and get back to 100%. Um, you know, it, it, something was up uh, when we saw the, the media availability announced um, on, on Thursday. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Mark Bergevin and Shea Weber. Shea Weber had just spoken uh, the night before uh, after the game. It, th- that seemed odd, and certainly Mark Bergevin being there was odd. So it kind of twigged everybody, uh, but no one could have uh, anticipated what the uh, the news was, and it was it was tough to hear. But um, the, you know, the, the it seemed like the right thing was done. They got him medical treatment, yeah. medical diagnosis right away. Got him to the hospital right away, and um, and he quickly had the procedure that uh, that he needed. Yeah, and yeah, as I said, it's just great great to hear that he was expected to make a full recovery. And and at the time when Mark Bergevin was speaking, we didn't really we didn't know all the information, and Mark Bergevin wasn't going to share all the information. All that he said was that there was good news that he had heard which at that time we took as a, as a sign that 
uh, Claude was going to be okay. And, and as we found out later on, expected to make a full recovery. So that is, that's, that's great to hear. But, uh, Rick, moving on, uh, to some lighter news, uh, we'll, we'll give a, go back to our segment. They said what? <laughs> and, uh, we love, yeah, we love that. It's the difficult transition to make, but we have some audio for, for, uh, from the various press conferences that have taken place following game one and, of course, on Thursday as well. But we'll start with the game one post-game. Um, and as we said, Carey Price gave the Montreal Canadiens an opportunity to win that game. He also may have saved the life of Nick Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, um, I wasn't quite sure what it hit um, when it was coming at me. I just kind of tucked my head. Um, hopefully, I was hoping it was going to hit me and uh, block a shot, but Kerry did an unbelievable job there saving that and saving my head for sure. In reference to the miraculous save with the stick that Kerry Price managed to make uh, that had the hockey world collectively their jaw agape. <laughs> Well, the amazing thing is that that nobody really realized uh, what yeah. had happened until you watched <laughs> it several times. You had to watch it uh, three or four times before you you realized what an incredible save it was. Just desperation, reaching out his stick, and and uh, there's Travis Konechny point blank uh, yeah. blasting the the puck. And uh, Price getting um, on on the the, the thin edge of, of uh, the blade of his stick uh, and and just uh, tumbled over uh, Nick Suzuki as as he said saving his <laughs> life. Um, some of the comments uh, Sid from Tim and Sid said one of the greatest saves in hockey history. Mm. Um, and Brian Burke, uh, who's who's been around hockey a little bit said, I've never seen a better save. Quote, I've never seen a better save. Yeah, and part of me is also like, <laughs> Carey Price made that save because Nick Suzuki's life was in danger. So Carey Price <laughs> is also one of the best teammates ever. But <laughs> but regardless, so Rick, after game one, as I said, it was a tight game, but I think Carey Price made it tighter than it had any right to be, but that didn't stop the Montreal Canadiens, uh, particularly Shea Weber, uh, from from drawing some positives from that and, and seeing that, hey, we can we can play with these guys. Uh, yeah, I thought we had a little bit of a rusty start. I thought we were slow to the gates, uh, maybe due to not playing for for a bunch of days there. But uh, I thought as the game went on, we got better and and really showed that we can play with them. We believe that we can play with them. It's uh, you know, it's a seven-game series. It's uh, it was a tight game tonight, and and should be a good series going forward. Yeah. So we can play with these guys. Um, oh, was that a question? Uh, maybe it was. Maybe it was with all of the uh, the press that uh, the Philadelphia the Philadelphia Flyers in uh, had 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 at the pause had won nine of ten games. Um, they were one of the hottest teams uh, in the NHL coming into the the round robin. They had dispatched some pretty good teams uh, in Washington, uh, Tampa, uh, and the Boston Bruins, um, and lots and lots and lots of good press. Even uh, Claude Julian had said they're the best team I've seen in Toronto. Um, and so, with the Canadians, um, you know, some saying. Oh, it was just Carey Price who had carried uh, Pittsburgh, which uh, there's some truth in that. Uh, yeah. Carried them yeah. over Pittsburgh uh, and didn't give them a chance against Philly. Um, you know, it was kind of a, well, um, we may not be able to win this, but but we can play with these guys. 
And Shea Weber, the captain, said that the coach, head coach, Claude Julian, following game one, echoing those sentiments. I thought we did well. Uh, the first period was a, a tough period for us, you know, whether it was because we hadn't played in the last four or five days or whether we were a little nervous and trying to feel our way through. But I thought from the second period on, uh, we really uh, started playing our game. And uh, I think we built some confidence in, in knowing that we can play with these guys. But uh, so that's the way I feel right now is that uh, they're an extremely good team. I'd like to think, think that our team right now is a, is a good enough team to play with these guys. He said it twice. We're good enough yeah. to play with these guys. Um, and again, that seemed uh, to be uh, that they were, uh, that was a realization that they, they were making a statement. Huh, we can, we can play with these guys. Yeah, and I think in game one, there were opportunities. Now, there were opportunities both ways, but there were opportunities for the Montreal Canadiens where things just did not break their way. You had Arturi Lekkanen losing an edge on a two-on-O, which that's not going to happen nine times out of ten. That's it's just not going to happen. And that could have resulted in a goal that would have been a huge uh, lift in that game. Obviously, there was the huge stick save from Kerry Price. Nate Thompson also had an opportunity and he put it into the corner. Uh, (laughs) But regardless, yes, I think the realization came after in the midst of the second period where the Canadians. Yeah, as Claude Julian said, they kind of controlled the game in the second period. Um, And from the second period on, um, they sort of had a little bit of a. They sort of dictated the style of play. Um, but Rick, so that was post game one. And obviously, as we just discussed on Thursday, there was a different piece of news regarding Claude Julian and uh, the fact that he was he had chest pains and experienced chest pains uh, following game one. Um, so we had Mark Bergevin, as you said, on the podium on Thursday. Claude felt chest pain during the night. Uh, we immediately consulted our doctors and he was agreed to quickly transfer him to the hospital by ambulance. We don't expect him to be back during this series against the Flyers. Kirk, Dominic, and Luke will share the responsibility. However, Kirk is the associate head coach and he will assume the responsibility of head coach until Claude's return. We understand that Kirk does not speak French, but there are exceptional circumstances and we are and we're asking you for your understanding. Man. Yeah. What? Okay, let's deal with the first part first. Yeah. And um, he came out and and was very uh, serious at announcing the news. Uh, he he said that there was uh, in the question and answer that there was good news. That 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 was the the stent business. Um, yeah. But that a, a good prognosis. But uh, scary news when he came out and read that prepared statement. Oh yeah, it was it was it was quite scary. Yeah, and. Um of course, you immediately thought of Claude Julian and his family, and we just we just discussed all of that, and, and certainly it was great to hear that there was good news coming. Uh, we just needed to wait for it, and ultimately that he's expected to make a full recovery is fantastic. But yes, there was the part of it that we've all sort of wondered, was it necessary to apologize that for uh, Kirk Muller not being able to speak French? Or speak. He, he spoke French. Actually, he did speak French. He did. Whether he spoke it well is is another conversation. But that's that's hey, that's that he did his best. That's all he can do, right? But it sort of to me, it sort of undermined the seriousness of the situation that you had to apologize for Kirk Muller being unable to speak French in these circumstances. And we've talked about the pressures externally and internally that exist for the Montreal Canadiens having a coach that speaks French. But at this point in time. It just really, I just, I, it just was, it was insane to me that they needed to say that. 
Stu Cowan wrote um, that the apology seemed bizarre and out of place. And I think that's uh, that's well said. Bizarre and truly out of place from Mm -hmm. talking about a medical emergency, talking about a health scare, um, putting an apology that, oh, well, we have to go to. Uh, to uh, Kirk because, you know, he's the uh, associate coach and all. Um, As I said, this was a prepared statement. So those words were not Mark Bergevin's words. Uh, Those came from either uh, under the direction of uh, Jeff Molson or uh, Paul Wilson, uh, who we've been talking about over the last few (laughs) weeks, has been inserting himself more and more and more. Uh, Poorly done absolutely poorly done and unfortunately reminded a lot of us about uh, when the Canadians came out and apologized for the the logical appointment of uh, Randy Cunningworth and yep. and 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 that was that was poorly done as well um, this this um, you know uh, credit to uh, Kirk Muller for dealing with it uh, in a humorous way uh, but um, really, really um, poorly done by the Montreal Canadiens that they inserted this apology in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not about that. It's about someone, you know, having that health scare, as you said, that it could have been, you know, it was a serious situation that did not call for something like that. It was bizarre. It was out of place, as Stu Cowan said. But as you said, and as I just said, Kirk Muller did speak French in his press conference pregame yesterday well first off uh on behalf of the <clears throat> coaches staff management and players here in uh, toronto the claude and uh and the family uh we're definitely uh, thinking of you guys we're happy to hear the the good news and uh we're hoping for quick recovery so we can see you uh back here uh en pense uh, claude et sa santé mais en droit rester focus et jouer notre jour well, you know what? We're in the playoffs, and we're here to win. And um, I think, first off, uh, we, we're really focusing on what we do well as a team, uh, X and O's-wise. Uh, as far as personnel, that's my job. That's my job is to uh, put the best 20 guys on the ice, no matter who it is, uh, what's your name. Uh, my job is to uh, get this team to win. So the first part, um, yes, he 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 tried his best. He he uh, he yep. participated. He made a statement in French. Um, criticize him if you want, but uh, <laughs> how, on on how well he he did. But um, uh, he did it. He did um, it. Yeah. Um, the second part. Now we will go back to to that those clips uh, that we played at the beginning of this segment. Weber and Julian saying. Um, we we sh- we showed we could play with them. Um, we're good enough to play with them. Kirk Muller, different attitude, different message. Uh, he said it twice. Um, we're here to win. He said the word win twice. Yeah. Um, he said focus on what we do well, not what Philly does well. Um, and and it seemed like all of the the discussion uh, with Julian and I, and I'm not comparing them. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm just saying at the, at the beginning was all about uh, what Philly was doing and how to counter them and 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 they're the 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 top seed. Uh, Kirk Muller came in with a different attitude. Um, let's focus on what we do well, and we're here to win. 
Yeah, and game two post game, as we talked about, the Montreal Canadiens winning five nothing. You had Jonathan Drouin saying that Kirky is making a game plan for us, not how to counteract Philly. Yeah, no, definitely. That's the game we wanted to play. Obviously, Kirky put a put a game plan on today where um, it was about us yesterday when we started practice. It was about our team, not Philly, and making sure we're ready to play when that puck drops. And we were today. Like like Dom said, the energy was great. Thought we played well right from the get go, and we didn't let up one minute. Yeah. yeah. We're, um, Kirky made a, a game plan about us, not Philly. Uh, that's different. Uh, I, apparently, he, that that's that was noticed by um, um, uh, Jonathan Duran, and and then Max Domi went on to echo uh, the same sort of sentiments uh, when he spoke. Yeah, and it's 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 really interesting because you wonder how much of an impact or how much of a. You know, because Kirk Muller said he's expecting to get calls and, and sort of communication for, with Claude Julien. So it's interesting to see just how much of an impact uh, Kirk Muller is going to have on how this series all plays out. And so far, it seems as though from the game plan, it seems like it's going to be a lot more focused on what Montreal does well rather than, you know, trying to play against a, a Philly team and, and, and being prepared for a Philly team that, that look, has looked as good as they have. But Philadelphia last night did not look as good as they have. And Elaine Vigneault uh, was pretty blunt about that. Yeah, I mean, you have to talk about today, and, you know, we got our, our butts kicked today in all facets of the game. Uh, you know, they outworked us, they outplayed us, they out-executed us. Uh, so, at the end of the day, I mean, we, we got our butts kicked today. <laughs> I saw towards the end of the game there where Kirk Muller there got a 5 nothing lead, and he puts his number one power play on the ice. Uh, we had embarrassed ourselves enough. I don't think we needed to get embarrassed more. more. So I'm going to make sure our team is uh, very aware of that next game. Said with a little pouty lip. Yeah. So that obviously drew a lot of conversation from around the NHL, not just Montreal media. That was that was something that drew a lot of traction. Um, and I know that there have been people that have said that it was just a really uh, unnecessary complaint in it. And I know that you, you believe that it took away from a, a really nice moment, a special moment for Kirk Muller. But the one thing that I'll say is what else is Elaine Vigneault going to say when the Philadelphia Flyers are the number one seed and they get dominated for 60 minutes by a team that if not for Carey Price playing out of his mind in the qualification round would not be here and should probably should not be here at this moment in time. <laughs> so what is he going to say? What is he going to say other than to try to find some random thing? Because if this snowballs, if this snowballs into game three, when, you know, the series shifts back to Montreal wearing the red jerseys and having last change, then what does, what does Elaine Vigneault do then? Yeah, I, I, I do think it, it was really unfortunate and in poor taste for uh, Vigneault to, to, to say what he did given that it was Kirk Muller's uh, first game as uh, first playoff game as head coach and his first win. It, it was uh, his, his shining moment uh, and he deserved not to have to talk about this, this nonsense. But I think as we were talking about um, pre-show, um, this game scared the life out of Elaine Vigneault. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that they were cruising along. They're a number one seed. They were getting praised from everywhere all of the hockey community and uh, a little bit shell-shocked and uh, uh, I, I think that 
uh, Vino uh, didn't want to answer some questions, um, and so he took control. He first did the whole, um, you know, outworked, outplayed, out-executed. He missed one, by the way. He missed a big one. Mm-hmm. Out-prepared. Out-prepared. Um, Kirk Muller prepared his team better than A.V., and how do I know that? It's because several flyers in the postgame said that the Canadians did a couple of different things that they weren't expecting and different from game one uh, in, in Friday's game. Um, so uh, there, there, something, there was some uh, changes made, uh, not only to the lineup, and we'll talk about that, but, but um, there was, there was uh, some tactics change that they didn't expect. So I would say out-prepared as well, and, and Elaine mm-hmm. Vigneault clearly didn't want to talk about that. The other thing he w- didn't want to talk about was their very youthful, uh, just turned 22 this week, um, star goaltender who is supposed to uh, carry them. Um, he didn't want to answer any questions about why Carter Hart had given up four goals uh, to a team that um, has trouble putting uh, the puck in the back of the net. Yeah. And, and, so, and saying yeah. that, saying that, um, we both say wasn't yeah. Carter Hart's fault. Wasn't Carter Hart's fault. Although, um, you know, uh, Carter Hart wasn't exposed to, uh, you know, this is game two, this, uh, home game for Philadelphia. Think about that game in Wells Fargo, oh, um, yeah. where first period, the Canadians dominate, um, don't allow the, the Flyers a shot, um, uh, for the first 17 minutes, uh, they go up three nothing. Go up four nothing. The Boo Birds are going to be all over Carter Hart, uh, and then Game Three goes back to Montreal. The Bell Center, hostile crowd, uh, all of those fans mocking Carter Hart um, in, in that intense Bell Center playoff atmosphere. The Philadelphia Flyers and Elaine Vino dodged a bullet. Uh, that that they're in uh, uh, an arena in Toronto without any fans. 100%, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how Carter Hart rebounds in Game 3. Uh, and in Montreal is going to be playing a game with the last change and, and the red jerseys, so that'll be an interesting dynamic as well. But, of course, as you said, Kirk Muller, unfortunately, after his first playoff win, had to answer some questions uh, specifically about why he had his power play out there as Elaine Vigneault uh, drew issue with, but also talked about some of the changes that he made. Actually, it was, it was more a gut. You know what? We have a lot of respect for our opponent right now, and we just, just before it started, uh, it's kind of just a gut feeling to change things around. And uh, it either works or it doesn't. And we asked some guys to step up. They, they If you're going to do that, you got to get them into the game uh, early and see if they uh, respond. And the, a lot of guys did tonight. And uh, so it made it uh, easy for me. We had Everyone played well tonight, I thought, in our group. So uh, we just uh, we wanted everyone to contribute and be involved. And uh, that's uh, that was a real team uh, team win here tonight. Listen, I, I got a lot of respect. I've worked with uh, the, those coaches over there. They're, they've done a heck of a job with their team. 
they got a good hockey club. I would never disrespect anybody, but we're in the playoffs and, uh, you know, you look at the, the first series against Pittsburgh, our power play wasn't that great. You know, I, I felt that, you know, if this was during the season, it'd be a different story, but we have no practice time here. It's, we got to keep working on it. So I know I, I, I totally understand if that was his comments, probably expecting it, but my job is to make this team as, as good as it can be right now. And, I, I had to, I had to keep getting some of these guys that haven't been productive. Uh, they're starting to feel it, and I, I gotta I gotta focus on our guys uh, yeah, in that situation. Yeah, and I mean you you can't argue with that. Obviously, yeah, as he said, if this was regular season, it'd be different. But this is the playoffs, and as he talked about uh, pregame, they're here to win, and to win this, you got you're gonna need to have a power play that can that can produce at least a little bit for you. And we know that the struggles the Montreal Canadiens have had with their power play. And, uh, yeah, I don't think you can really question Kirk Muller with that. No, not at all. Zero for 12 uh, against Pittsburgh on a zero for 33, 34 stretch (laughs) since back to uh, February. But he's got them going now. And uh, the power play has been three for seven in this series. Uh, and he just wanted a bit more uh, practice. I, it wasn't obviously it wasn't a, a, a big deal. Uh, what was a big deal is Kirk Muller saying, uh, and we know that the Canadians put out the lineup, no changes, no changes to the lineup, um, and and uh, warmups look the same. And then uh, when uh, time came uh, for uh, to officially submit the lineups, there were some changes. Uh, Jake Evans was was in for Dale Weiss, uh, and you had uh, Max Domi and and uh, Muller uh, said, you know, um, I I challenged uh, some players. Obviously, he was talking about Max Domi, but if you're going to challenge them to step up, you have to give them some ice time. And he did that, placing him with, on the third line uh, with his buddy Druan and and uh, Kokaniemi, um, and uh, or, sorry, uh, Dano. Um, Armia uh, down to the fourth line. Um, those are those were changes that he made based on his gut. This is an emotional game. He's an emotional coach. He's an intense coach. He's a passionate coach. And uh, one of the things that Paul Byron said this morning in the availability is we trust him because he's been in our shoes. We know he's been in our shoes and he's going to lead us. And, and that, I think, uh, is, is one of the, the big differences. And I think that's a perfect lead into our big topic, which is going to be looking at taking a deep dive and looking at Kirk Muller both as a player and now as a coach and seeing what exactly he brings to the table that's different from Claude Julian at this point in time obviously on an interim basis he is going to be the head coach so we're going to look at the qualifications of Kirk Muller to be in this spot Uh, so we're going to take a look at all those things and maybe ask the big question can Muller be the permanent head coach in Montreal so we'll we'll take a break and when we come back we're going to get to all that stay with us here on the canadians connection podcast on rocket sports radio rocket sports media is currently recruiting talented motivated and committed people to join our team if you're a student wishing to gain experience a young professional interested in broadening your credentials an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. 
In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19. With me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, we're going to ask the real deep questions here. Who is Kirk? Who is Kirk Muller? And why is he in this spot? Why is he the interim head coach of the Montreal Canadiens uh, while uh, uh, Claude Julien will be unavailable to be here at the moment? Um, so, I mean, obviously, Kirk Muller is a former Montreal Canadian, won a Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens in 1993. He spent 19 years as a player in the NHL. He's a, been a captain in Montreal. He was the captain for the 1994-95 season and a captain in New Jersey as well uh, over 1300 uh, 1349 games in his 19 year playing career he amassed 959 points so he had a really really nice career in the nhl and of course known as being a leader as a guy that can be depended on and certainly as a winner when he won the stanley cup in 1993 so rick that as paul byron said he's been in been in our shoes mm -hmm. and he's won a stanley cup he's a winner so in that way, yeah, it's it's certainly a, a qualification for Kirk Muller that he has been in the player's shoes and he's won. And he's always been known as a leader, uh, yeah. worn letters. Um, and and so it's kind of natural for him to uh, go into the coaching ranks first at Queens. He's uh, he's from uh, Kingston. And uh, so that was that was a natural. And then as an assistant coach in 2006, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And um, in his fourth year, he was uh, five years with the Canadiens as an assistant coach. Four, fourth year um, in 2010, uh, that was uh, the infamous um, uh, cup run for the Canadiens. And, um, you know, uh, basically Kirk just kind of uh, rode the coattails of Yaroslav Halak and, and uh, rode that to uh, his next no, he didn't do anything like that. Listen, uh, Yaroslav Halak, um, I, I know there are, are still, it's bizarre, uh, there are still people in, in Montreal who uh, worship at the altar of 
Yaroslav Halak, um, and some of them even work for the Montreal Gazette. Um, but uh, since that infamous uh, playoff run uh, in 2010, um, what has he done since then? Well, he played a couple of, of playoff games for St. Louis in 2012, uh, seven games for the Islanders, uh, in 2015, one playoff game for the Bruins. Huh. So he has, um, well, he has 10 playoff games since uh, that run. Uh, and he's played for who? Uh, St. Louis. He's played for Buffalo. He's played for Washington. He's played for the Islanders. Played a fair number of games for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Um <laughs> And now with the it's a bit of a myth. I know he's a cult hero, but it was a bit of a myth uh, saying that uh, he was a one man savior for uh, the Montreal Canadiens. If he was that one man one um, man savior, why did the Canadians uh, trade him, and why has he bounced from team to team to team since? And this isn't a this isn't a diss on uh, a rant on Yaroslav Halak. Uh, you know. Uh, don't care about him one way or the other. What I want to correct is that in 2010, um, that cup run, uh, that cup run where the first round the Canadians were meeting the Washington Capitals. Capitals yep. were President's Trophy winners, 121 points. Canadians with uh, 88, 33-point differential. That's the fifth most in in uh, league history. Um, and that they, the Canadians won game one, but it was Thomas... Placanitz with uh, the first star and and the bit of uh, heroics. Um, game two, Caps won 6-5 in overtime. Halak, six goals he gave up on 37 shots. Uh, Andre Kostitsin, a uh, four-point game and a hat trick. Uh, game three, uh, Canadians lost 5-1. Uh, uh, Halak gave up three goals on 13 shots and he was pulled. Uh, wasn't very good in that game. Game four, he wasn't even good enough to start. Um, and the Canadians found themselves down to the Capitals uh, three games to one. Then it was Yaroslav Halak that came to the rescue. No, 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 it wasn't. It was Kirk Muller. Jacques Martin said, uh, and this was well known in the hockey community, Jacques Martin said, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to do with these guys. We don't have a chance. Kirk Muller said, let me try something. Let me try something. And he instituted uh, a new system, uh, a defense-first system. Um, you know, you stack the, the, the front of the net like cordwood uh, with, <laughs> with uh, your five guys, particularly Hell Gill, uh, yeah. who would stretch out. Uh, there was lots of uh, lots of shots allowed, lots of rebounds allowed by Halak, but hopefully you protect the net at all costs. Uh, you give up on the offense, you get your offense from the power play, which Kirk had perfected. Um, and that's exactly the way they beat the Washington Capitals. Um, and then did the same thing against Pittsburgh. Uh, against Philly, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, in the conference final shut down uh, the Canadians' power play. The the offense yeah. dried dried up completely. Uh, in the Flyers' first three wins, um, the Habs did not score a goal against Michael Layton, 
of mm-hmm. all people. And uh, Halak was pulled in, in game one. He had uh, gave up three goals on 23 shots in game two, three goals on 25 shots. He had a save percentage uh, that didn't even get to 800. Uh, he wasn't very good in that series. Uh, so it was Kirk Muller in his uh, X's and O's, his tactical uh, preparation, who uh, engineered uh, that. And that's where he made his... Uh, in the hockey community, uh, that's where he got noticed. Uh, had a brief pit stop uh, as head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals and then went on to be the head coach of the Carolina Hur- Hurricanes a year later. Um, and, um, you know, he... Um, uh, Carolina was a, a different situation and, and uh, um, uh, he, he didn't have necessarily the players to work with there. Uh, Jim Rutherford was was there for a while, and and the Carolina hadn't made the playoffs in eons, and and uh, that wasn't that wasn't Mueller's fault. Uh, but then when Rutherford was uh, uh, fired, or, well, he actually retired. It was Ron Francis that took over and said clean slate, and so Kirk lost his his job, um, went to St. Louis for a bit, and then found his way back to Montreal as the associate coach. Yeah. So with with all that behind him, with the playing days, with the coaching days that you just uh, you went through perfectly, uh, what can Kirk Muller in this playoff run? You talked about the impact that he had on the 2010 playoff run. What can he bring to the Montreal Canadiens 10 years later with this new group, with these guys? And we've often spoken about Kirk Muller as being the sort of intermediary between Claude Julien and the young players specifically. And you talked about the opportunity that he gave to uh, to to you know Max Domi. He's I mean, listen, you look at uh, Yasperi Kotkaniemi. We talked about remember back to Captain's Night when Yasperi Kotkaniemi chose to wear Kirk Muller's jersey. That's right. In the warm up, you're talking about the relationship that they have and the confidence that it might give to Yasperi Kotkaniemi. And and last night, Muller spoke glowingly about the journey that Kotkaniemi's been on this year. So. Is that one element of many elements that Kirk Muller is is able to bring? Uh, maybe a little bit more relatable. Maybe a, you know, as as Paul Byron said, fought through the battles that we're fighting through right now. Is that just one of many things that Kirk Muller brings to the table for this playoff run? Yeah, and I think that um, his his being so unfailingly positive has been <laughs> yeah. sometimes mischaracterized as being just a, a, a cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 uh, not demanding enough, uh, but it's obvious that he's incredibly passionate, incredibly intense. And Paul Byron mentioned that again. Um, you know, Kirk Muller's going to demand uh, from these players uh, what 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 he knows is is necessary. And um, you know, he I don't see him as, uh, you know, Bill Peters replaced him in in uh, in Carolina, more of a disciplinarian. And that's what they were looking for at the time. And I don't see um, uh, Kirk Muller like that at all. He's not he he was uh, associate to Michelle Terrian, too, completely different. Uh, but his relationship with players is is strong. Um, he demands uh, from them and. And he's a leader. Uh, players want to play for him. Oh yeah, and and that's yep, Captain Kirk. Uh, you know, you 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 have that sort of uh, you have that uh, 
you're looked at in that way when you wear a letter on your sweater as a player and uh, it makes the transition certainly a little bit easier when you're asking guys to go out there and block shots or do whatever it is that you think is necessary for your team to win so uh, certainly yeah you you have to know that he is well respected Um, but I think the big question is and one of the things that we've often spoken about is would there ever be a time where the Montreal Canadiens could have a head coach that isn't a francophone, doesn't speak French, but is there because they are good at what they do. And obviously, listen, it's it was one game last night, but there was certainly, a, a, you know, obviously as a player and a coach, he has a resume. Could Kirk Muller be the permanent head coach in Montreal? And let's, let's get this out of the way that... Um we're, we're, we're not ignoring uh, that the Canadian's yes. permanent head coach is Claude Julien. And just because he's um, recovering, uh, we're, no, we're, we're not uh, diving in. Um, no, by uh, no means. To, to disrespect him at all. Full respect to Claude Julien. Uh, Kirk Muller uh, went out of his way to be respectful yes. uh, to uh, Claude Julien and said if anybody des- deserves that uh, game puck last night, it was Claude Julien, not uh, himself uh, on his his first win playoff win as a head coach. However, these are the kinds of questions that come up, and and the Canadians inserted this themselves inserted this question uh, when when they distastefully uh, made the apology uh, for yeah. Kirk Muller on Thursday. Um, so uh, having opened that door, um, uh, let's let's talk about it, and um, you know. Uh, Pierre Boivin, uh, the last president uh, uh, prior to w- under George Gillette, had said um, he thinks it's unfair uh, that the Montreal Canadiens are always handcuffed, uh, that they they have to um, select from the shallow part of the pond for uh, GMs, for coaches, uh, and sometimes for players. Uh, he said that's totally unfair, but he acknowledged that that it was self imposed that that. That that restriction that that uh, 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 must be a francophone coach must be a francophone GM was self-imposed, but he said that that has uh, played prominently in the Canadians' inability to win the cup in the last twenty-some odd years. Um, so, so could the Canadians hire a, um, an anglophone coach? Um, and you know, you can argue, um, you can argue it back and forth, um, but I'm going to go to uh, Francois Gagnon, uh, who is probably uh, one of the more thoughtful. I don't agree with everything Francois Gagnon says, uh, but he's probably one of the more thoughtful uh, members of the Montreal media, and is not just prone to. He's he's a thinking uh, guy, and he wrote an article, uh, June third, uh, 2016, that I've I've pulled up. Uh, talking about Kirk Muller. Uh, and Kirk Muller at that time, he was talking about how he'd be a, an intermediary for uh, Michelle Terrian. And Michelle Terrian, uh, not very good at connecting with his players. Um, and he wrote this uh, in quotes. Kirk Muller has been a head coach in the NHL. He wants to be a head coach again someday. 
does the fact that he does not speak French, is it a barrier that will separate him from being the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens? And then he talks about uh, his being a a past Canadiens captain. Uh, He talks about him winning the Stanley Cup in 93, Uh, that how much he um, loves the uh, the, uh, Montreal, how much he loves Canadiens fans, and that's mutual. Um, But, but... His lack of language uh, is that um, is is all of the above enough to overcome the language barrier, and uh, Francois Gagnon answered that question. He said, "My answer is yes." Um, he he unequivocally says the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens should speak French. This is undeniable. But I was always but I've always maintained that a candidate at the, uh, the stature of of Mike Babcock, if he was available, consideration should be given to eliminate that rule for competitive considerations. And I'm, I'm translating as I go here. So, yeah. um, and he said, I would add the name of Kirk Muller to that list without restraint uh, because of his stature in Montreal, because of his uh, competitive edge. Uh, and there you have the dean of, of the Francophone side of the Montreal media saying, uh, back in 2016, that he would support uh, Kirk Muller. Um, hard to argue with that. And and the thing that I will say, too, just to back up the fact that we're not having this conversation because Claude, uh, you know, because we think that he should replace Claude Julien, by, by no means are we suggesting that. But the thing that I would go back to even further is that when you had Michelle Therrien, were it not for someone with the resume of Claude Julien coming up, as you talked about with, with respect to the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are sort of handcuffed to pick from a select group of coaches and GMs and players, they had to wait for someone like Claude Julien to come along before they could fire Michelle Therrien. And they probably should have fired Michelle Therrien a while before that even exactly. happened. So that's the problem here. It's not that we should, we're saying that, oh, this, this should be this way now because Kirk Muller won a playoff game. No, it's a larger conversation to have because it puts the Canadians in that type of position where they are sort of handcuffed, unfortunately, uh, from time to time. So, uh, Rick, we, we've answered some of the bigger questions about Kirk Muller and, and, and answer, answer, uh, you know, answered the biggest question, whether or not he could be potentially a permanent head coach uh, in Montreal. But uh, we'll, I guess we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, there was some reaction on Facebook and Twitter to the news, of course, surrounding Claude Julian uh, and Kirk Muller taking his uh, his place as an, on an interim basis uh, and the Habs win as well. And I'm also, because on the press zone, I listened to the press zone and I heard your guys' predictions for the entire first round. I'm going to give my prediction for this right. series that I had before it began. Before it began, I made a prediction, and I want to I want to share it here on the Canadians Connection podcast. So we're going to take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We're going to come back with some social media reaction and my prediction for the series that I made before it started. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. 
Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 97 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And as Rick mentioned off the top, we do have our Rocket Sports text line as well, 585-3-ROCKET. So send along. You can engage with us that way as well. Send your questions. Send your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so, Rick... Social media, as we as we just talked about, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, you can follow at Habs Connection. Uh, posting some of the news that came out specifically about Claude Julian. Um, you know, obviously the the news that came out on Thursday. There was some reaction to that on the All Habs fan page on Twitter as well. Um, so, what was the immediate reaction to that and Kirk Muller stepping in on an interim basis? Listen, uh, there was a, a huge outpouring uh, of, from Canadians fans uh, expressing their concern uh, yeah. for Claude Julien. Um, not only their concern, but um, their relief once uh, we provided the update that, that his procedure was successful. Uh, and just, um, you know, uh, emotionally um, uh, reaching out and extending their, their well wishes uh, to Claude, to his family, and uh, and and the only concern there being his uh, his return uh, when he w- when he's healthy enough, yes. his return to the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely, and yeah, that's the thing. That's it's health is the most important thing, and you want to make sure that it's done at a time that is uh, that is good for Claude. But uh, in addition to that, so last night was a big win, big five nothing win. Uh, shout out for Carey Price, as we said, put him only behind Ken Dryden and Jacques Plante for all-time postseason shutouts for Montreal Montreal Canadiens goaltenders. So reaction to that has to be, uh, it has to be absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, the the All Habs fan page on Facebook has been blowing up. Um, I, if you're a Habs fan, 
uh, you need to go to Facebook and search for All Habs, A-L-L-H-A-B-S, facebook.com slash allhabs. And you will find a page there that has uh, more than 41,000 Canadians fans uh, who interact uh, on a regular basis. Uh, They're the the regular followers, followers, but at playoff time, uh, the page has exploded, and and we're we're seeing astronomical numbers as far as the interactions um, in, in the well over a hundred thousand and approaching two hundred thousand. And and you want to be part of this. You want to uh, if you want a place uh, to to share your excitement, your uh, comments, your praise, your concerns. Uh, go to uh, facebook.com slash allhabs. Uh, and be sure to to like the page uh, while you're there uh, so you can find it easily again. Uh, last night, uh, there was a, a, a lot of focus on Kirk uh, Muller, given that it was uh, he seemed to be pushing all the right buttons uh, last night uh, for his first uh, playoff win as head coach. Uh, and here's some of them. Um, Kirk Levier said, uh, way to go, Kirk. Awesome job for the impressive win. Keep up the good work. Uh, Roberta and Daniel Pelchett said he is experienced, uh, that is Kirk Muller, and has all the qualifications to do the job. He did very well. Congratulations, Kirk. You helped it happen, and the team was with you all the way. All together uh, was her uh, their message. Uh, June Ouellette uh, said, awesome job by the whole team. Go Habs, go. Let's win the cup. So uh, hey. there's... Uh, yeah, there's some uh, optimism on yeah. the page. Um, Patrick McIsaac said, the one thing you can't buy is Stanley Cup experience, and Kirk has it. Uh, you'll never win until someone shows you how. Um, and then we have Liam, uh, Leanne Patterson Bradley. Great job. I love Kirk Muller all the way back to when he played for us. A lot of love for Kirk Muller. Um and and this is tongue in cheek and 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 obviously by Kevin Forrest, uh, uh, given the fact that uh, it, it, the Canadians' head coaching uh, position has been francophone only, he said maybe that's been the problem. We should only hire English speaking coaches. LOL. Uh, and so <laughs> ended it that way. Anyway, yeah. lots of lots of comments, lots of praise, and and be sure that you reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, or our Rocket Sports text line. Certainly, and as I said, love to love to hear from our listeners and our followers. So yeah, keep those messages coming in. Um, so Rick, on the latest episode of the Press Zone, uh, I noticed at the end of the episode, you along with Amy Johnson gave your predictions. For every series, and I would encourage the listeners of, of this pod, the Canadians Connection, you also need to be subscribed to the Press Zone because they do. So you guys are doing some fantastic work. You had a great last episode with Bill Meltzer uh, providing some analysis on the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, and Amy Johnson already a phenomenal source for Philadelphia Flyers news. Anyways, so you had double the amount of uh, <laughs> of Flyers uh, analysis there. So. The one thing that uh, I will say is that I, I filled out, you know, every year, NHL.com, you have this the bracket challenge, the Stanley Cup bracket challenge, and, and one of my buddies sent along his to me, so I was like, you know what, I'll fill out mine, and I'll send it back. And I wanted to give you one of my predictions, and it's the prediction for the Montreal Canadiens and Philadelphia Flyers series, because Amy had the Flyers in seven games, uh, you had the Flyers in six games, correct? That's yeah. right. 
So I took the Montreal Canadiens winning this series in seven games. Wow. And the only reason why I did that, because by every other measure, there's not even a chance that the Montreal Canadiens are a better team than the Philadelphia Flyers, based on what we've seen over the last couple, you know, the last two months of the season back before it was paused in March and in the bubble. The Philadelphia Flyers are a phenomenal team. They are very, very good. There's no question about it. I mean, the forward group is better. The defensive group, I think, is one of the best in the NHL, uh, although we, we talked about the third pair not looking so great uh, last night. But regardless, they do have a really great team there. The only thing that I will say is that oftentimes in the playoffs, it comes down to goaltending. And I am a huge fan of Carter Hart, and I believe in Carter Hart. And Amy Johnson talked about Carter Hart on the press zone, saying that he is unflappable and that he's confident. And we've seen that. We saw it a couple of years ago at the World Juniors. Obviously, this is a different ball game, but that is the highest level for, at that point, his age group. And he was unflappable. He was confident. And he gave Kennedy, backstop Canada, to a gold medal. And I certainly believe that he is unflappable and that he is confident. But at the other end of the ice, you have probably the most unflappable and the most confident goaltender that there is, and that's and that's Carey Price. And so I wonder where Carter Hart is. And, and keep in mind, I did make this prediction before any games happened, either game one or game two. I made this about, about a week ago from now, uh, last week, I mean. Um, so I just wonder where his head is right now. And I don't think that last night was his fault. I think he made, he made a huge save early to keep it one nothing on Brendan Gallagher before Yasperi Kotkaniemi scored his first of the night. Um, but even then, when you have Carey Price at the other night, not only saving a goal, but saving Nick Suzuki's life, I don't know what you think as a <laughs> goaltender. I think that there's got to be an element, like a, psycho, a psychological element here of playing against Carey Price that is that might factor in. And if, the, if it does, then I think the Montreal Canadiens have a chance to beat the Flyers in seven games. And it will take seven games because Carter Hart is good enough to to sort of drag it out. Um, but, I mean, it's it's just a lot to ask, right? 22-year-old goaltender, it's 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 going to be tough for him. And, 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 and you talked about before the show that the highlight of his career was meeting Carey Price. <laughs> yeah, he, he said that. He, you know, uh, he's got an impressive resume um, and... Uh, in junior hockey and and um, um, international uh, hockey, uh, but um, he said uh, meeting uh, Carey Price in the bubble in the corridors was uh, the highlight of his career. And if that's going on in his head, um, you know, is he uh, unflappable? Is he uh, as focused as as he needs to be? And um, you know, if 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 the Canadians. Um, if the X factor here is uh, Carey Price, as we saw that it was against uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, has has another aspect of uh, uh, another X factor uh, in these very strange uh, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, entered, and that being uh, play for Claude and uh, yeah. and the emotion, the intensity, the passion of a Kirk Muller. Yeah, 100%. I think that this the, it certainly changes the dynamic, the motivation that might come from, you know, having your head coach, you know, uh, someone that you deal with on a daily basis, have a health scare like that, and Kirk Muller stepping in there and, and, and making sure that the guys know that this is about them and, and 
making and winning for Claude. I think that, that that certainly brings another element to it as well. But the one thing I will add is it's not it's gonna take more than it just being Carey Price, because Carey Price is going to need it to continue with efforts that you've been getting like from Yasperi Kotkaniemi and Shea mm-hmm. Weber, who's been fantastic. Uh, Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie have seemingly found whatever it was that made them an effective pair last year. Um, you need more Paul Byron, Artur Lekkinen have been fantastic. You need more of that because Philadelphia is a deeper team than Pittsburgh. But if he gets it and it becomes sort of a who's going to blink first type situation, then I think that that's what benefits Montreal. But now with these different elements in the mix that I didn't know were going to be there, like the unfortunate health scare that might fire up the guys and Kirk Muller stepping in, who seems to be perfectly suited for this role with his unfailing optimism and his ability to, you know, really communicate effectively with these guys. Um, I, I think that that really, um, that might benefit the Montreal Canadiens in this series. Um, let, but yes, let's, and, and, and also, I'm yeah. sorry. One, one more thing was Go ahead. That about Carey Price. When on the latest episode of the Press Zone, you had Mike Weaver talking about the <laughs> psychology of facing Carey Price because yeah. he just stopped trying to score on him in practice at all. He just flipped shots in because he knew he wasn't going to score. And I would encourage everyone to check out the latest episode of the Press Zone. Uh, Rick, you had uh, something to what say. What a great conversation with Mike Weaver. He's <laughs> such a, uh, he's full of stories and, and uh, yeah, his, his uh, anecdote about uh, facing Carey Price in um, uh, practice is is worth a listen. So um, go to the press zone uh, and uh, and and listen to that podcast. Uh, Mike Weaver was a great guest, and and we're glad that he joined us. Um, I just wanted to piggyback on something you said earlier about the uh, need more um, from uh, needing more to support Carey Price. And uh, oftentimes when we've called out people on this podcast, uh, they, they've, they've responded. Um, yeah. And so let's name that need more group. Um, and, you know, it, had this been uh, after Wednesday's game, uh, we, you know, Thomas Tatar and Max Domi would have been in the need more uh, category. They, they emerged last night and, and certainly uh, probably uh, that was facilitated by uh, Kirk Muller uh, challenging them. Uh, Max Domi with three assists and Thomas Tatar with uh, a couple of goals. Uh, but also in that group, you have Joel Armia, you have uh, Philip Deneau, you have Brendan Gallagher, um, and, and Jonathan Duran. Uh, all, the Canadians uh, are going to need more from all of those players uh, to assist Carey Price if uh, yeah. if they're going to make a, a series of this. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's going to take it's going to take an, a, a full team effort to do this. And uh, as we talk about, and as we have talked about, I think uh, maybe Kirk Muller is someone that can that can motivate enough players to get this over the hump and get this done for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but Rick, we've we've talked a lot on this episode. We covered a lot of stories here today, and uh, I think it's just about that time that we wrap this episode up. But of course, as you said, uh, you're going to want to listen to the latest episode of the Press Zone. But as also in the coming weeks, obviously, we're going to be talking about this playoff run for the Montreal Canadiens and much more. So you're going to want to listen to the episode of the Press Zone that is dropping next week on Tuesday, and then we'll be right back here next week on Saturday. 
for another episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. And of course, what you'll have to do is search for those two podcasts individually. Search the Press Zone on all on whatever podcast platform you choose: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, whichever one. Search for the Press Zone and hit the subscribe button. You get all those episodes, and do the same for the Canadians Connection podcast. We're both. Uh, underneath the Rocket Sports Radio umbrella, but you'll just have to do uh, the two searches individually to subscribe to both of our podcasts. So, Rick, uh, anything else you'd like to say before we sign off for another week? Well, we're grateful for all of the uh, Habs fans that have uh, joined this uh, this march in the playoffs, the unexpected march, and uh, we're, we're happy that we're, we have... Uh, our loyal listeners and uh, all of our our new listeners and uh, the new interactions on social media. Uh, Keep it up. Tell your friends, uh, share our content uh, and, uh, and, and enjoy uh, the Montreal Canadians in this uh, 2020 playoff run. Enjoy the ride. And we'll be back with you next week for another episode of the Canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.